This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to this a two-year the low. There are, of course, the Stephen Bradbury of He was the big spender. Right. The big spender. Doing Mr. the grocery shopping could take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam, and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real-life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, good day, Adam. How are you going? I'm going very well, thank you. Uh, now, Thomas, you would have heard Bryce and Alec at the start of our show talking about FinFest, and oh my lord, I am so pumped for FinFest. Uh, if you haven't saved the date already, it's 15th of October this year in Sydney. Uh, head over to equitymates.com slash FinFest. Uh, it's going to be massive, Thomas. You and I are going to be there, I'm pretty sure, at this point. Uh, I'm certainly uh, going to pull out all the stops to get there. Uh, but there's a bunch of expert speakers and guests, DJs and booze. Uh, it's an inspiring and empowering event for investors of any level of experience. Even me, Thomas, I think I'm probably going to get something out of it. So uh, <laughs> stick it in your diaries, 15th of October 2022. It is all kicking off. Equity Mates FinFest powered by Stake. Thomas, we've got a massive show on today as always. And we're going to check in on the ASX share market trading game and see how we're performing or not performing as the case may be. Uh, we're also asking on the show today, how are you feeling, like, economically? We'll have a look at Westpac's consumer sentiment survey results. And John Travolta's hair wasn't the only oil shock in the 70s. We're going to take a look back in time to see what we can learn about the current <laughs> oil crisis. And it's cold in Russia, but that's not what's frozen their currency reserves. So we'll find out what that's all about as well. But first, Thomas, no doubt, uh, still a lot of cleanup going on as a result of the flood situation where you are. Uh, and I want to say a big thank you to everyone who donated money to the Mullumbimby Neighbourhood Centre. Um, very much appreciated in your area, I'm sure. Um, mm. But Thomas, I know a lot of people are keen to hear how you've been getting on. So you got back there about a week ago now. Mm. Uh, what's what's the latest on the flood situation for you? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a shock coming back. Like, we, it's never really flooded here in Mullumbimby before, but yeah, we got really smashed by it this time. Um, and it's just like that shock of getting flooded in places you never expect to flood, like mm. our place. You, you know, we'd never been in a flood zone before. Old Ken across the road's been in his house for 80 years and it's never flooded there, but it flooded this year. Yeah, so it's pretty epic. Like... There's a lot of damage out in the hills, like a lot of the bridges are still out. They're still doing um, helicopter drop-offs for medicines and essential supplies. I'm part of a crew called Resilient Byron, which is sort of a disaster management sort of network, sort of community-led. And we've been organising sort of walking trips out, so people have been 
you know, getting ropes and climbing gear and stringing up rope bridges and getting across rivers. The rivers have rerouted themselves in a lot of places. And Really? That's a, that's a big shift. <laughs> like yeah. you think about rivers rerouting themselves, that's... Um yeah, it gives yeah. You a sense of and then and just massive landslides like yeah whole houses getting washed away a friend of mine just had boulders coming through her house just smashing through and she had to run from her life her car got buried completely yeah so it's it's pretty full-on and i mean i think i think it, i don't haven't seen official numbers but i think just in our area which is only a small portion of the affected area on the east coast I think there's probably like 5,000 homes that have become, become uninhabitable Wow! through the floods. And we were, we were in a house, people talked about a housing crisis beforehand and rents had gone up, you know, 30% uh, since COVID. So we're already in a housing crisis and we've now lost 5,000 homes. It's just crazy. The house up the road actually just the other day caught fire a um, couple of days after the flood because they plugged. Wasn't the, it, what? Yeah, Wasn't everything the, wet? Yeah, yeah, but the water the water came in and went up to the roof line, um, and then so all the electrics are out, and they they plugged in a dehumidifier to try and to try and dry things out, and then just frizzed uh. and yeah caught fire. So that's pretty brutal. And so there's a lot. There's sort of stories like that as people try to get their houses back. The flood, yeah, flood water does a lot of damage. I'm I'm learning. Mm. And the br- the brutal story is that for a lot of people is the it becomes uninsurable because it become once the structures get damaged, particularly if it's like a p- a pine house, pine seems to rot quite quickly. If it gets damaged, it becomes uninsurable as a rental. And so there's a lot of stories I'm hearing of people who the floods come through, everything gets covered in mud. They spend five days a week clearing, you know, going through the mud, throwing out stuff. There's just like, it's unbelievable how much rubbish there is around, just massive mountains out the front of people's houses right. all up and down the streets. So much stuff. So it gets thrown out and then they spend, you know, days scrubbing and cleaning and disinfecting and trying to get it back to something habitable only to then be told that they can't live there they've got to get out because it's uninsurable so yeah, wow it's pretty horrific so do you have any sense of kind of how long this cleanup is going to take like do, do you, is it still too early to kind of to make the call or is it are we talking years i think it'd have to be years yeah like i mean fully like mm is going to be a long road i mean it's incredible like it's it's just amazing you know i do go through periods where i lose faith in humanity but then like seeing crypto, cryptocurrency i think the, the invention of cryptocurrency was a was probably the last time that happened <laughs> but no like seeing people come together and you know there's people coming down from the gold coast and from brisbane just coming to volunteer just there's, we've got a, like, there's a big na- whiteboard out the front of the neighborhood center where people come and post jobs and say, look, I need two volleys to come and help me clean out my garage. And then people are rocking up and saying, I'm, I'm, I've got six hours today to do some work. Where can I go? So right. it's, it's just amazing the, 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 the things that people are doing and the way people are coming together. It's really beautiful, particularly at sort of like at that community level. Like we've got the army on the streets here now. There's army trucks rolling around. Um, right. soldiers out doing this and that and the SES has been here and they're all doing amazing stuff but like the community led stuff it has been really inspiring to watch like, people just putting their hands up and organising trekking missions out into the hills to, to check on people and do medicine drops and all that sort of stuff Did you call them volleys? 
Yeah, yeah. Wow. There's a, there's a definite corporate sponsorship opportunity there <laughs> for Dunlop to get involved. If you're listening, Dunlop, I think you could get behind the, the Dunlop volleys. Dunlop volleys. Um, that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> so so I've, I've taken the week off work and I'm, I'm working full-time with the Resilient Buyer and helping like with the, the coordination effort. So like there's there's all these people who need need help and then there's all these people coming to offer help. And so we're yeah coordinating that work. And yeah, realizing like yeah, as an economist, you know, it's all about coordination. And um, mm. but yeah, like we had a we had a three ton truck come down from Brisbane with packed full of clothes and furniture, and then it ended up just driving around because no one was able to take it. Like all the donation centers were already full, right? Uh, and everyone's saying like, oh, "We just that's great. You've come down, really appreciate it, but I just can't." Don't have anywhere to put this stuff, and I, I, so I don't even know what happened to it in the end. Oh, I thought you. <laughs> I thought you were gonna like regardless with the story of how you this you just came and said step aside everyone I'm an economist. <laughs> <laughs> Let me distribute this thing. <laughs> Seems we've got a supply issue here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. No. You can't. And and they talk about the second flood. Like there's a, the first flood with the waters, but then there's fl- mm. the flood of all the support and all the help, but. Where are they all staying? I mean, are the people coming to town? Are they staying in? Oh, I think they're just day tripping, day tripping down oh, right. and okay. heading back. Yeah, yeah. And there's people now like Mullumbimby sort of found its feet now by and large. Like, like there's still a lot of work to do, but sort of the, the emergency mm. level stuff is mostly sorted. But Lismore, which is around the corner, is is in a lot of trouble. So mm. now, like my wife Anna went over to Lismore yesterday to to spend the day right. cleaning cleaning out there. So how do you, yeah, it's a real interesting question about you got all these people keen to do stuff with all this energy and wanting to get, you know, get engaged and get active. Mm. Um, but then how do you, how do you pair them with jobs that actually need doing and making sure that, you know, the huge amount of food that's being cooked going out to places and mm. how do you make sure that all of that's landing where it needs to land? Um, yeah. It's a really, really interesting logistical challenge when phone networks are down and internet's down and really patchy and yeah, so yeah, it's, right. yeah super interesting times. All right. Well, yeah, you mentioned you're working with Resilient Byron and we'll put a link to the donate page uh, of that organization, their registered charity, uh, doing some good things around the Mullumbimby area. That's where you're focusing your time. A big thank you to everyone who donated money already, though, uh, in in any way. I think every little bit helps. So very much appreciated. All right, Thomas, unless you've been living under a rock, you would be well aware that the ASX share market trading game is in full swing Uh, It's been going for a few weeks now. The game has started, but if you haven't joined yet, there is still time. You can still join in on the fun. In fact, if you haven't joined yet, you're probably winning. Um, I think I, I saw a stat today that says uh, it, there's only 25% of participants are in profit at this stage, mm. um, which is quite remarkable given I figured it was fairly easy to make money in the in the share market, but turns out it's not so easy. So yeah, curious to know, Thomas, how are you tracking with your portfolio? Uh, yeah, I'm not in that 25%. I'm, I'm down. I mean, to be fair, it is, you know, it's a sideways market. The ASX 200's gone sideways since we checked in a fortnight ago. So in that environment, you can't rely on just the market to drive growth. You've got to look, you've got to be picking your individual stocks and mm. picking picking those winners. I mean, I would note that like the, the leader is Ozusko, just, just a couple of hundred dollars ahead of Johnny Cash. 
and they're 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 sitting at fifty five thousand, so they're up about ten percent in you know two to four weeks. So they're they're doing very well. Ten percent. It's pretty in handy that, in that time frame. It's pretty impressive. So hats off to them. If you're one of those guys, if you if you're sitting around fifty five grand and you know, let us know what you're doing, and we're just going to copy trade you. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I just clicked on uh, Johnny Cash's profile here to try and see if I could copy trade him, but I can't. I can just see his performance and how much better it is than mine. Mm. Um, so we do get a ranking, of course, Thomas. Uh, do you want to go first with your overall ranking, and then I'll tell yeah, you mine? Yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm ranking at 2,700, so in the top 2,800. Oh. So pretty happy with that. In the top 2,800, there's 4,466 <laughs> participants. <laughs> You're in the bottom half. Oh, I need uh, yeah. Right. Well, my ranking is 3,551. Ooh, um, ooh, ouch. Wow. I'm playing the long game yeah. uh, in this short game. I'm playing the long game. Um, what, did you, what, did you, what did you buy? What you, you go for? Uh, well, look, I, as anyone that listened to the the episode we did with Alec and Bryce, um, my strategy was to get on board with Australian sports team um, sponsorships. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I went looking, it turned out that most of them were either foreign owned or well, they weren't available. And so I did get a couple, but they just turned, sort of turned out to be the big players. So I, I bought some Woolworths. Oh, no, I didn't buy Woolworths. That was on my watch list. Um, I bought CBA, which is the only one that's in, in the green at the moment. So Commonwealth Bank yeah. is up. Um, yeah, I bought like five grand worth of Commonwealth Bank. I bought some Ampol, which is uh, up, up today off the back of some news that they're going to do some stuff that I didn't understand, uh, <laughs> but people seem to like it. <laughs> um, I, thought that, I thought that with the crisis in Ukraine that cybersecurity was going to go gangbusters, so I, I loaded up 10 grand on the Hack ETF. Oh, um, I thought that was a smart play. Turns out people just, I think, see that as like, you know, sort of specky kind of value stocks. So that's down. That's down quite a bit. I bought some Qantas and I was buoyed by the fact that Qantas today announced that they're, they're going to resume flights, first class flights to London. So given, I don't know if you've ever seen the price of a first class ticket anywhere, um, there's got to be some good margin on those tickets for sure. Um and then BHP, who I thought would do well out of a commodities crisis, um, turns out not so good. They're just kind of tracking along. So, mm-hmm. so that's where I'm at. Although today, Thomas, uh, you'd be pleased to know I tried to take a macro lens to what's going on and I just loaded up on gold. There was a, a gold a ETF gold. Yeah, right. uh, and then another gold and precious metals ETF. So I dropped, uh, I dropped my final 10,000 that I'd been holding oh. uh, on some gold. So, wow, there you go. Um, so that's me, and mm. if you're following any of my suggestions, then you would be you would be down about two thousand dollars from your starting position of mm. uh, fifty thousand. Oh, I say sorry, no, forty eight thousand seven hundred and forty two. So you'd be down about thirteen hundred dollars. Yeah, um, right, right. Which I think is an important lesson. Like someone said to me the other day, they're like, "Oh, you know, I don't, I don't invest. It's it's too much like gambling." And I think this is probably a good lesson, if nothing else, to come out of this is I just deployed $50,000 kind of straight up, not really, it's far from like educated, informed decisions, um, just following my nose a little bit. So not well researched. Um, And I'm not saying you can't lose a lot of money in, you know, trading shares, but I'm down, you know, I'm down 
thirteen hundred out of fifty thousand dollars. So unlike mm. gambling, where if you if you put fifty thousand dollars on your favourite horse uh, <laughs> and it lost, you would be down fifty thousand dollars. I think that's an important distinction to make when you're thinking about about trading versus uh, versus gambling. But still, I'm 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 not winning in either. <laughs> however, you look at it. Uh, what have you got in your portfolio then? If you're you're high flying up around the 2,700 <laughs> ranking mark. <laughs> well, I've been a bit distracted, so I haven't deployed all of my money yet, which probably that's what's that's what saved me. So I, I went mm. long on the on the hack ETF as well. I'm still mm. thinking that, that there might be a bit of bleed over from Russian cyber attacks. I also went long on the Better Shares Oil um, hedged ETF. Ah. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, yeah, which which popped a little. I got in a little before it, but then it sort of come off its recent highs. But I'm holding that still. I, I, it's a gamble, but you know, the, you, you're playing a short run game here with the, with the ASX game, so it is a, is a bit of a gamble. But I, I still think I still think this could get a little. Uh, or the oil prices could could pop still. There's a few analysts saying that it could get some some big big numbers still. So yeah, I'm going to hold that one for a little bit longer. See how it goes. I don't see it dropping anytime soon anyway. So. No. Yeah, and that that's that's all I've got for the moment. So Right. And what do you what do you what do you make of the outlook then for for the ASX is it going to continue flat, do you think? Yeah, it's, I think it's looking for direction. It's hard, like it's hard to see sort of any drivers pushing it north. Um there's still a lot of uncertainty coming out of the global outlook with the U- Ukraine and everything. US mm. inflation printed really high last week highest level in 40 years so that that sort of inflation worry is still in the mix yeah like the risks overall still seem a bit tilted to the downside i think oh yeah i think until until we get a bit more direction out of the ukraine i think sort of sideways is the is the game for the moment spoken like an economist sitting Mm. on the fence (laughs) nicely played uh all right look as i mentioned there is still time to play uh we'll stick another link to the asx share market trading game in the show notes um and yeah hopefully you can get on board and and hopefully you do better than us if you've got any hot tips if you want to just just brag and tell us how you're going uh happy to read out some names on the show if you are johnny cash and you're listening uh then tell us what you're on johnny and uh share the love let's get some more cve listeners up there hey big news thomas westpac did a survey they did a consumer sentiment survey and good news in fact good news for the show their consumer sentiment survey 46% 46% of respondents had an opinion on economic news. <laughs> that proportion is up from 28.5% a year ago. So I think we can safely attribute increased economic awareness to comedian versus economist. It's been running for about the same time frame. Yeah. Thoughts? Right. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely correlation there. <laughs> Yeah, so West, West, this is a Westpac Consumer Confidence Survey. This is a monthly survey, something we get every month. But they also have some special questions. So they do ask about, they do a recall question. So what, what do people recall from recent news coverage? Um, <laughs> this, was the, this was the best. <laughs> Did you read these? Like, uh, <laughs> they, said, they said, there was a significant lift in the proportion of respondents recalling international news lifting from 6.9% a year ago to 18.6% in today's survey. Respondents recalling international news. What's going on here? Was it like a year ago, only 6.9% of respondents could recall international news? 
<laughs> hey, have you ever heard of America? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, like, I think, I think it's still like you've got a, the war in Ukraine, which is like this epic <laughs> global shift in the geopolitical landscape. Yeah. And there's eighteen percent of people. We're up think, to eighty oh, percent yeah. of people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, eighty percent. Four fifths are like, nah. You, you, you what? Ukraine. You what? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, there's it got to be. It can't be right. The question, the the answers must be wrong in the survey. You can't have eighteen point six percent of people, or unless I don't know who they're asking. Was it a specific news story? Did they ask, hey, do you know what Joe Biden had for breakfast? Like um, you know, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. I haven't actually seen. I've read the report. They don't think they mention it. They just talk about <laughs> recall in general terms. They did say that eighty-seven percent thought the news on the interna- international conditions was negative. Oh. Which yeah, they got that one right. Is so war of bad? of the eighteen percent of people that read the <laughs> <laughs> that read through to the world news section of the of the Australian, they decided that most of them thought it was bad news <laughs> when there was a war on. Yeah, you see, so. we're in we're in touch as a nation. We're in touch with the with mm. the news cycle. Right. So, what else did we learn from the consumer sentiment survey? Uh, the consumers are sad. They don't like floods. Apparently, that's <laughs> the other thing we learned. So, <laughs> consumer confidence in Brisbane was down mm. a massive 11.2%. Over in Melbourne, it was just down 3.4%. Um, right. Which is still substantial, but more driven by international factors. So, this Brisbane. does take into account the, the flood situation that yeah, we talked yeah, about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, that sort of knocked things around a bit. So, I mean, I think, I think the general gist of this is is that the flow of news lately has has been negative there's the floods obviously the war in ukraine there's also inflation concerns there's higher interest rates most people survey think that the interest rates are going to rise um so all of that sort of none of that's great for consumer sentiment typically and so the it's it's a tough time for consumers right now the, the exception to that is the job market so consumers still feel pretty pumped about their job prospects um, but the flow of news has been negative for the past month and so in that in that context we talk about the ASX tracking sideways for the better part of a month that's not bad given that the flow of news has all been pretty grim so it could maybe take some heart from that. My apologies, Thomas. While you were explaining something in intricate detail, I was mm. Googling family feud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Yeah. So you're part of the 80%, 82% that's <laughs> blissfully unaware of international news. Uh, all right. On that note, why don't we pause here, grab a quick word from our sponsor and be back with more Comedian versus Economist right after this. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome back here on Comedian versus Economist. Don't forget, you can always send us an email, cve at equitymates.com or via the website, equitymates.com forward slash cve. You can also get us on Facebook and Instagram at cve podcast. Shoot us a question, shoot us a comment, maybe uh, share, share with us some of your stock tips for the ASX share market game. Any and all correspondence will be read, that's for sure. Uh, but Thomas, there's a commodity crisis, I believe, that's unfolding. We're seeing the price of oil go through the roof. I saw fuel in my neck of the woods up over $2 today. That's just, it's insane. What's going on? So there is, is a bit of a commodity crisis. We knew there'd be sort of an oil and energy crisis, given Russia's a oil and energy exporter, but... Yeah, it's it's bled out into a commodity crisis, which is interesting. Like, I, it's it's not it's difficult to sort of pin this on on anything exactly. And the stuff that I'm reading is it's a bit hard to sort of connect the dots. Mm. I think I think it's I think it's just about disruption. Like, I think that's one thing we're learning from COVID and from this experience is that once. It won't, the economy sort of sets up its networks and it all sort of starts running smoothly and you have these just-in-time inventories and it kind of relies on all these supply chains working quite fluidly and smoothly. And once you get a major disruption to any part of the network, it creates sort of these ripples of shocks throughout the entire network. And I think that's what we're seeing here. Like Russia is a commodity exporter, not a major commodity exporter, but still significant player in the scheme of things. It's kind of effectively been cut off. It's from from the global economy in some sense. And that's sort of just creating a whole lot of dis- dislocation. And in that dislocation, prices are soaring because people are kind of scrambling to cover their positions and nations are scrambling to secure the commodities they need. And that's creating a sort of a commodity boom across the cycle. So it's not just energy at it's not just energy and minerals. It's all, we're also talking about wheat prices and, and rural mm. commodities. Uh, and it sort of seems like there's a boom in everything real, which is sort of interesting. And it's also sort of what you expect in a high inflation environment. Commodities tend to perform well in high inflation because they're real and that they hold value. So there's part of that going on. But yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. It's not, it's not super clear cut why it's sort of such a broad-based commodity boom. So when we talk about commodities and you talk about broad-based commodity boom, I don't think I'm even clear on what a commodity is and what a commodity isn't. Like, mm. can, you, can you help me out and then hopefully some of the listeners out there understand when we hear about commodities, what are we talking about? So you mentioned food, you mentioned like, Grain, wheat, Grain, whatever. Grain, wheat, minerals. I think I think the basic definition is is anything unprocessed. Like if you just dig it up out of the ground or pull it off a plant um, and don't do anything to it, then it's a commodity. Once you put it into some kind of factory process and transform it into something else, then it becomes a good. And then it becomes – that's sort of like the broad definition, I think. So if it's, if it's a sort of a raw substance – 
unrefined, unprocessed, then it's a commodity. I think that's how I understand it. Mm, I don't really think of my local florist as trading in commodities, though. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Right. So it could be anything. So oil, oil's a commodity. Um, yeah, that's the big one. That's the one that everyone's kind of talking about. It's what's pushing fuel mm. prices up. Yeah, um, yeah. But then there's all these other ones, wheat and all that kind of kind of stuff. Mm. Um, fuel and food. Are the big, mm. That's the one that's going to get everyone the the most worried, right? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, food's much broader than than energy, so energy's mm. pretty concentrated in oil and gas, um, and that so disruptions to the oil and gas market have big implications on the global economy. With commodity food commodities, it's a bit more it's a bit more substitutable. Like to an extent, you know, there's if wheat gets too expensive, people might just switch towards rice, for example. Mm. There's obviously big limits to that, but soy. It, so yeah yeah so it's not it's not as concentrated in just a handful of of commodities like the energy market is i think that's why the energy is such a pain point for the global economy and so something like this happened in the 70s if i'm not mistaken Mm. is there any are there any parallels between this well what happened in the 70s first of all uh was 73 you had the opec oil shock so israel invaded palestine and they were supported by a number of western countries and opec the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, which was led by Saudi Arabia and had a number of Arab countries, they wanted to stand in solidarity with Palestine and so enforced an embargo on all the countries that were supporting the Israeli Uh, war. Uh, And so they just stopped exporting oil. And in that, oil prices effectively tripled um, over that period and it created... In the U.S., there was rationing. The you know gas stations ran out of fuel. They, there were limits on how many, how much customers could buy, the days of the week they could buy, that sort of thing. So, yeah, and that created a massive shock because particularly the U.S. economy at the time was really oil dependent and just wasn't ready for like a, a threefold increase in oil prices. Yeah, so that 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 was what happened. That's the oil shock of the of the 1970s. Um, this time around it's not i mean yeah there's parallels obviously like there's big oil producers just gone offline but it's yeah it's quite a different beast too right i mean it's interesting that the political there is a sort of a political dimension to it i think like goldman sachs commodity analysts are saying that there's a bit of defensive stockpiling going on now because people are sort of seeing that the the space is is disrupted and disruptible uh, nations are feeling like, okay, I need to secure my supplies. And so there's a bit of stockpiling. While in the middle of this shock, then nations are going out and trying to stockpile oil as well, which just increases demand. These are the same governments that told us not to panic buy toilet paper. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> yeah, panic buying. Panic buying energy commodities. Panic buying energy commodities. It's not the answer. There's plenty to go around, all right? Just... <laughs> <laughs> we've got more oil coming tomorrow we're, we're restocking the oil shelves just everyone calm down <laughs> right thomas i've heard there's a freeze on russian currency reserves obviously there's a lot of sanctions being imposed on russia at the moment can you tell me what's going on with the uh freeze on their their reserves yeah so yeah it's, it's interesting so one of the things that the effectively the west has debanked Russia or in the debank the Russian central bank so the Russian central bank had a large stockpile of reserves so after the Crimea war and there was a bunch of sanctions that imposed on on 
Russia back in 2014, the central bank went out and doubled its holdings of foreign reserves, foreign currency, foreign bonds and gold. Yeah, had $860 billion just sort of parked. Like it built up that war chest of foreign reserves, but it didn't bring it home. It kept a lot of that, um, those foreign reserves in foreign nations and in the markets where it was going to use them. It was just more convenient to leave the gold in in london or whatever wherever it ends up so they didn't bring it home yeah, a bit like in, in like in having it in your state u.s wallet yeah 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 <laughs> exactly <laughs> putin putin had it in his state u.s yeah, wallet yeah, right. yeah yeah um so they had it they had it over there and and it was sort of russia's insurance policy because they thought well if, if sanctions come and people don't want to trade with us we'll have the reserves that we can still buy the stuff we need for the time and, and ride out the sanctions and maybe we'll be sweet. But what happened was is that, yeah, the West has just frozen the, that money and just going like, no, nah, we're keeping it. You can't have it. Right. Yeah. So Can they do that? Well, they did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is just done. <laughs> so it's like... You can't do that. Well, we just yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Right. Like they had it. They had it spread. They had it yeah, stored in France, Germany, Italy, the UK, Canada, and the US. So they spread it around. But all of those nations got together and went. You know what? We're just freezing it. You can't have it. Um, yeah, and so that's just yeah, um, yeah. It's, it starved Russia for for foreign reserves. As a result, the rubles collapsed. The rubles down forty percent. It's a massive fall in the currency. The central bank's trying to prop up the currency, give it some support, but they don't have the foreign reserves to buy, which is normally how you support. So they've had to lift interest rates, their cash rates up from 9.5% right. up to 20%. But that obviously feeds through the whole economy because now that's a massive a doubling in interest rates that feeds through to the you know mortgages and everything in, in Russia. So that's hurting the Russian population. Yeah, they've also introduced money controls, so they've stopped people sending money abroad. Governments, uh, firms that are earning US dollars have to hand over 80% of them in exchange for rubles, so they're not letting foreign companies hold on to their own foreign reserves. And is this just the Russian government? I mean, we've heard a lot about oligarchs in the last you know few weeks. Is it just the Russian government money, or is it kind of... Yeah, no, this is the Russian government. So they, they started with the oligarchs. They're freezing their assets on February 27th. That was the first thing that they did. So they named, oh. they're like, this person, we're going to freeze their assets held in overseas banks. We're going to seize their yachts or whatever. And that was the first thing, and that was that was expected. They then cut them off from the SWIFT system, which is the communication system that underlies the financial system. That was a bit of a surprise, but not like two out there. But then they, and then after that, they froze reserves of the Russian Central Bank. And that is big. Like that's you know they they debanked mm. Russia effectively and said like no we you just we're just taking your money, um, and so that really undermines the trust of the financial system and I think China in particular will be taking note of that going like okay wow if they can, if they can do that that's that's next level that that they're ready to deploy that. Mm. And that the fact they did it to Russia, who is part of the G twenty and the G seven, you know, and a significant player. That that's you know they have they have frozen assets of like Venezuela and country smaller countries like that in the past, but to to, to do it to Russia to a you know UN Security Council member, it's a big story. It's it's really big. This it actually reminds like I've had this happen to me. Would you believe I had I had uh, yeah, the G seven Security Council <laughs> debanked you. 
<laughs> oh yeah, in a way, I had a I had an, uh, an online betting account, and um, <laughs> and I'd been doing some some matched betting, some arbitrage kind of some arbitrage work, and I'd built up this balance in this in this online betting account up to about fifteen hundred bucks, and I decided it was time to cash in, and I went to cash it in, and they said. No, <laughs> we we think you we don't we don't think you're uh, you're playing with your own money. We don't think you're um, playing by the terms and conditions, yeah. which I was outraged at. Obviously, yeah. I was I couldn't believe it. Um, I had to go and get a had to <laughs> had to go and get a uh, a JP to witness <laughs> my <laughs> my employee my um, what do you call it pay slip. Um, to prove that I had enough money to cover the bets that I was making, which weren't weren't large, I think it was just they they didn't they probably they triggered that I was maybe um, yeah. up to some shenanigans <laughs> and uh, and decided they didn't want to release the money, yeah. so I had to go had to go to a library, public library, and say, "Can you? I'm <laughs> trying to get my funds released from a bookie." JPs, man, they must see some stuff. Um, yeah. Anyway. yeah, that's eerie parallels with what's going on in Russia at the moment. <laughs> I did want to ask, is this the time that Russia moves to Bitcoin? Ah, yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, it is kind of the proof case for Bitcoin and one of the, you know, the, the key points, selling points of Bitcoin is that you can't be debanked. You can you keep your money protected from the government or from the financial institutions in particular. And that's sort of one of the use cases for Bitcoin. So it is positive for that. At the same time, though, the oligarchs are using cryptos and bitcoins to protect their wealth from these kind of sanction measures. So, like, that's, you know, you can argue the toss on whether that's a good or a bad thing. I don't see Russia going full bitcoin in the process, but, you know, you never know. No, it'd, it'd help my crypto portfolio too <laughs> if, they, if they did, I imagine. Very good. All right. Why don't we uh, leave it there, Thomas? Thank you again for your company this week. Best of luck with the ongoing flood cleanup. Uh, and there's plenty of work to do. Um, don't forget, you can we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes if you would like to donate some money to the cause. It's always very much appreciated. Um, lot, in the meantime, lots of other great shows to get your ears around. Uh, Get Started Investing, Equity Mates Investing Podcast, You're In Good Company, Talk Money To Me, Crypto Curious, and don't forget FinFest. Uh, we are calling all bulls and bears and party animals. So if that sounds like you, get along. Um, thank you for tuning in to Comedian versus Economist this week. We look forward to talking to you again very soon. Cheers. Bye for now. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Hold up. 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. Mm. 